Welcome to Search Engine. I'm PJ Vogt. Each week, we try to answer a question we have about the world. No question too big, no question too small. This week, I try to answer a question that actually plagued me a decade ago, that haunted my entire 20s. Does anyone actually like their job? Or am I being lied to by a Brooklyn-based musician? That's after some ads. Search Engine is brought to you by ChiliPad. Are you tired of sleeping hotter than hell? We are too. The ChiliPad bed cooling system is your new bedtime solution. It lets you customize your sleeping environments to your optimal temperature, ensuring you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. ChiliPad works with your existing mattress. It's a water-based mattress topper that continuously controls your bed temperature from 55 to 115 degrees, allowing your body to rest and recover. I do not sleep well ever, mainly because of temperature stuff. Like, I feel like my whole life is just spent with one foot out of a duvet cover and one foot in. So I find (laughs) this new technology very exciting. If you'd like to check it out, visit www.sleep.me slash search to get your chili pad and save up to $315 with code search. This offer is available exclusively for search engine listeners and only for a limited time. Order it today with free shipping and try it out for 30 days. You can return it free if you don't like it with their sleep trial. Visit www.sleep.me slash search because you're not just investing in better sleep, you're creating a better life. When I was in my 20s, I had this recurring fantasy, this little movie I'd play myself in my mind to calm down when my brain was too jittery and I couldn't sleep. I'd picture myself walking down my block late at night, completely alone, when all of a sudden this guy would come around the corner. And it would be me, but older. And I'd have just a moment in passing to ask him, does it work out? And this older, grizzled version of me would just, like, sagely nod his head and then disappear, presumably into the fog of night. Just to be clear, this anxiety I had about my future, it was not about my health or my friend's health or who was going to be president. From about 2006 to 2014, what I fervently stayed up all night thinking about was whether one day I would get to do the thing I'm doing exactly right now in this moment. I wanted to tell stories for a living. I was living in New York, a college dropout, with a decent temp job doing research and editing for a radio journalist. But I wanted to tell stories myself. I wanted this the way people forced underwater want oxygen. I was convinced that if I could have this, every other problem would take care of itself, and I'd just be in a permanent state of happiness. Like, I would not feel pain. Taking ecstasy would be like drinking room-temperature tap water. 24-7 nirvana if I could just get a job telling true reasonably amusing stories. My life had a focus. Perhaps too much focus. Because on the flip side, I was also convinced that if this didn't happen, no matter what else worked out, I would be miserable. There's a word for this toxic condition, this poisonous, all-or-nothing kind of thinking. It's called ambition. You get a glimpse of a life you want. You fix on it. And from that moment on, 
You feel intense, all-over pain every moment you're not there. I now know that despair is not a rare feature of anyone's 20s. Even very fortunate people often spend that decade stuck in a life they don't want, without a clear path to the one they'd prefer. But that despair felt, like most things about life then, completely unique to me. I couldn't find a container that could hold it. My boss at the time had this sign above their desk that said, quote, The sun shone, having no alternative, on the nothing new. I became convinced that everyone in a job was miserable, that the entire world was filled with people who spent Friday dreading Monday, that anyone who claimed to like their job was just lying to me, personally, for what reason, I'm not sure. But then I heard about this band. They were called The Hold Steady. Indie rock music, the kind of band that seems to have zero casual fans. Either you've seen them a hundred times or you don't really get it. I got it. The songs, I thought, were perfect. Stories about down-and-out partiers in America. People with fucked-up lives who'd slid far off the path of their own dreams, but still had a sense of humor about it. Constitutionally unable to enjoy something without becoming obsessed with it, I got very obsessed with the band. And in particular, with this one small part of their mythology. I'd heard about how the singer, Craig Finn, had supposedly had a very strange path into his music career. And the story of that path gave me a kind of hope. What I had heard on the internet was that before the hold steady, Craig Finn had languished in a drab office job. In one version of the story, he was an IT guy at Goldman Sachs. In this legend, it was believable because Finn was a balding, horn-rimmed, glasses-wearing guy with a pretty nasal voice. The joke in the reviews of the band was sometimes that he actually looked more like an accountant than a rock singer. In the version of the story I would heard, he'd basically become an accountant— And he'd had to make peace with it. But then, after years languishing in a job he didn't want, he started this new band, just for fun, The Hold Steady. And that band had taken off. It had rescued him from his life. And there was a little more evidence for this story. The story of a guy who late in life had escaped a job he hated and found one he loved. When I'd see them play live over and over again, there's this thing he'd almost always do towards the end of the set. He started to tell stories. And then on the stage, he'd offer something that felt almost like a prayer. And then I say the same thing almost every night. I don't, I don't, I'm not fooling anyone. But I only say it because it's true. Where he would just express pure gratitude that his life had worked out, that he got to do his job for a living. There is so much joy in what we do up here. I want to thank you for being here to share that joy with us. And... I came to understand that maybe I was going to all these concerts really just for that moment. Maybe I really needed to believe that someone really did love his job, that everybody else wasn't just faking it the way I was faking it. But being constitutionally incapable of not becoming obsessed with things, I started to think about it too much. And I started to wonder, like really wonder, what if Craig Finn was lying? Because I knew that even most dream jobs eventually become jobs. They become onerous. 
And if Craig Finn had ever just once publicly said in some interview that he loved his job, and if people had responded to that, he would have been bound to that fiction forever. For years, stuck in my own unhappiness, I wondered about his happiness. Wondered if it was real. I would plot and scheme about ways to ask him about it, or I might get a real answer. In 2014, I bid in a charity auction where the prize was you got to go jogging with Craig Finn. I had this idea that if I asked him when he was sort of winded, then I'd get a real answer. I won the auction, but I never sent the email to book the actual run. The band's manager even followed up with me, but I ducked his emails. I chickened out. Whenever I'd see Craig Finn's name after that, I'd feel this little jolt of embarrassment and regret. In the years that followed, a lot of things would happen in my life. Over a decade later, I think I'm now actually the age I was picturing back then when I couldn't sleep, that grizzled older version of myself. But now, with a podcast, where I get to call people and ask them all sorts of questions. Questions about ambition, questions about jobs, questions about how to survive as a person. So, after the break, Craig Finn. Surge Engine is brought to you by June's Journey. June's Journey is a mobile game you can download on your smartphone. Everybody loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's Journey. Step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Engage your observation skills to quickly uncover key pieces of information that lead to chapters of mystery, danger, and romance. Where will each new chapter take you? June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. I have never met an iPhone game that I don't like to play instead of thinking. Try June's Journey. You can download it for free on iOS or Android. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Search Engine is brought to you by NetSuite. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash pj. netsuite.com slash pj. netsuite.com slash pj. Welcome back to the show. A few months ago, 
I tried just sending Craig Finn an email, telling him where I was coming from, and asking if he might be up for what could be a slightly unusual conversation. He said he was game. Okay, so I think my first question for you is just, can you give me a picture of, like, um, your early life? Like, how old were you when you first decided the job you wanted was musician? I think, I mean, I remember telling my babysitter when I was really young that I wanted to be um, a rock and roll singer. Like, when I was, like, I don't know, eight. Hey, 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 I was listening to bands like the Bay City Rollers and Kiss and getting really enthused about music and also the monkeys who were on TV. Uh, it looked like that was the best job, you know? It looks like um, I, I think there was the camaraderie of being in a band that looked fun. Yeah. The ability to burst into song. Um, it seemed like girls liked guys in bands. Like, the whole thing looked pretty great. And I was a very mild-mannered, nerdy kid, so, like, it was not... It didn't seem like I, I was destined for it, but it's what I wanted, and I think it led me for too long, probably till um, ask for an electric guitar. And what did your parents do? Oh, my dad was um, worked for Ernst and Young, the accounting firm, and my mom was a homemaker since I was born. Um, so they were not, you know, they were not rock and roll people, but they were very supportive. And maybe I was half saying, "I'll probably work in the music industry." And did you feel like? Like, I think one of the things that people use the word ambition, and I think I think what's weird about my relationship to that word is that it sounds like a powerful feeling. It's like, I'm going to do all this stuff. But whenever I've experienced it, it's been like a painful feeling. <laughs> it's like, I want this thing. I see a huge gap between my life and the life I want. And I feel like I'm on the other side of the glass, and it, like, hurts. Like, did you feel that way towards music? Yeah, I mean, one thing I can point to is, like, in college, I went to Boston College, and um, I was writing um, for the school newspaper. I was, like, reviewing records. And that was, um, you know, I did that, and maybe I did okay at it, but, like... I got the feeling that, that that wasn't the side of it I wanted to be on. Yeah. And then a friend of mine had started a booking agency, and she was booking cool bands and maybe a little more part of this indie scene than I was. And I started hanging out with her and helping her with some of her stuff. And again, it just got me closer to bands, made me realize like what I wanted to do was to, to play my own songs and, and have a band rather than do sort of this, you know, the, the whatever involves booking a tour. Now turn your stereo up and your TV on to Cable Channel 6. Here's your host, Amy Dahl. This video clip is from December 1997. A 26-year-old Craig Finn is playing with his up-and-coming band, Lifter Puller, on live public television in St. Cloud. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present to you Lifter Puller on Monday Night Live. Thereafter, we'll refer to this. In the video, Craig Finn looks quite young. And like a guy who maybe did not have time to change after work. He's wearing a red Oxford tucked into chinos, playing a Telecaster covered in stickers. I will say, lifter puller, I do not love the way I would love what would come later, the hold steady. Honestly, it might just be that the lyrics are harder to make out, but... I do feel like I can already hear some of what Craig Finn is going to do really well in his next band. He's going to tell these gossipy stories about an underground world that he has this magic ability to conjure. This seedy, 
sleazy underbelly of Minneapolis that might only exist in Craig Finn's own imagination. People here are always waking up high and bewildered on intersections that alliterate. The drug dealers cross paths with the sorority girls. Everybody wonders about this mysterious fire set at a nightclub called the Nice Nice. It's a world you can sink into. The characters from one song sometimes cameo in another. By the time Lifter Puller started in earnest, Craig Finn had decided not to pursue his music industry job as a booking agent. In his mind, it just didn't feel right to be working in the industry while simultaneously trying to make it as a musician. Like, maybe people wouldn't take him seriously. So he got a real day job. And the job he got, not what you'd expect from a man staying up all night in clubs, singing songs about arsonists and drug dealers and pimps. It wasn't the one I'd heard. He wasn't an IT guy at Goldman Sachs. But honestly, it was pretty close. I started working in American Express Financial Advisors, which has a big campus um, downtown Minneapolis. So you were working at American Express Financial Advisors while you were in Lifter Polar? Yeah, yeah. It was really kind of an interesting, spectacular place. I started out in the annuities department. And people would call in, and you tell them their balance, and you do small transactions for them. You know, I'd wear a headset mic, and there'd be it'd be like this, like football field sized office, right? Like you know, and everyone had their little cubicle, and there were a lot of young people that worked there. So there was its own scene, you know. I mean, um, what was the scene like? It was weird, you know. I mean, it was like the office kind of experience that, in some ways, is very stereotypical. Like you'd have a Christmas party, and people would misbehave. Yeah, you know. Um, I remember there were these guys that I'd hang out with sometimes, and they would. They would come, they would like go out almost every night and then they'd come in and they'd rate their hangovers and they, <laughs> they would like uh, and you had we had like an intranet system you know like um, so you could like talk to each other and I can't remember what the level I think level six was you threw up at work um, so like, <laughs> that's so yeah. such a low number for throwing up at work <laughs> yeah I mean and it's funny the thing was is there would be a tax season um, where people would need their tax forms and whatever. Yeah. And it would get really busy. And and it was really awful. Like, people would have to wait on hold for, like, a long time before they talked to you. And they'd be really angry when they got you. Yeah. And so, like, I remember during that period each year um, not wanting to go to work. Like, lying in bed and being like, I, I don't want to go there today, you know? A lot of people faced with a job they don't love survive just by living in their imaginations or looking forward to nights and weekends. Craig Finn, for whatever reason, decided the way he would thrive at American Express Financial Advisors was he would just apply himself to the job more deeply. He realized there were these tests he could take to climb up the corporate ladder. There kind of was like a company-wide directive that you had to pass um, what they called a Series 6 exam, which it's, it's a regulatory thing. Okay. And a lot of people had problems passing that exam. And I think a lot of people were in a different place than I did, or their parents, et cetera, and they just didn't have time to deal with it. I was able to pass it pretty easy, and so I, I said, wait a minute, I'm going to go get this Series 7. Listening to Craig Finn talk about all this, I have a moment that feels like genuine disassociation. This person who I admire so much, his ability to tell stories, his ability to make music that has sustained me as a human. He's talking about his LinkedIn corporate accomplishments with such straightforward, normal pride. It feels like we've slipped and fallen into some other multiverse, where... I'm now a hiring manager trying to figure out if Craig Finn would be a good fit 
synergy-wise for my team? Series 7 allows you to trade stocks and bonds. So I went and studied for that, and then I got Series 24, which for every amount of Series 7s you have, you need a Series 24 to kind of sign off on their transactions. So I saw this exam taking as a way to kind of make myself indispensable. Yeah. And uh, through that, I moved up to a wealth management area. And so you're not, were you, when you would go into work at your day job, was it like, it sounds like it felt fine. Like, it doesn't sound like it was like a life of quiet desperation. It was like an insurance policy that was supporting. Yeah, it was exactly that. And it it allowed for some stability. I mean, um, you know, my bandmates largely were doing more like, um, you know, freelance stuff. They were like catering and things like that. And that was felt more stressful to me than getting a paycheck every two weeks. So just to remind you of the question I'd actually come here to answer, I'd wanted to know if Craig Finn liked his job as an indie rock star. It had never occurred to me to ask the much stranger question of, before he was an indie rock musician, did Craig Finn like his job working at American Express? But he had. He liked it fine. So the first thing that surprised me is that Craig Finn, like pretty much every person I've ever met, was better adjusted in his 20s than I was. When he looked at his life then, what he saw was a steady paycheck that let him focus on his real passion, Lifter Puller, a band that was becoming Minneapolis famous. One day he got a call from a guy above him on the Amex corporate ladder. There was a guy who called down and said, hey, do you follow local music at all? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, a bit. And he goes, there's a, there's a band called Lifter Puller, and their singer has the same name as you. And he, <laughs> he said he didn't think for one second it could be me. Stuff like that would happen, and it was cool. But Lifter Puller struggled to break out beyond the local scene. And pretty soon, the band realized they'd probably gone as far as they were going to go. Lifter Puller breaks up, and Craig Finn goes from being Craig Finn from Lifter Puller to just Craig Finn ordinary person. He moves to New York. He gets a new day job doing the thing he said he wouldn't do, working on the business side of the music industry. He joins this tech startup. They're trying to stream concerts online in grainy, early millennium quality internet video. It was 2000. It was kind of his first internet boom, you know? And it was kind of that time where there was a lot of internet companies and there was like, no one knew how they were going to make money, but you like ate cereal and sat in beanbag chairs. Yeah. So I knew a lot of people that were doing gigs like that. And uh, I moved on a Friday, and I started on a Monday, and I didn't have the job when I moved. He was 29 years old. He'd made peace with the idea that professional musician had just been a fun, youthful dream. Was he miserable? No, of course not. He was fine. A couple years passed. He told himself he'd still write songs just for himself, just for fun. In fact, the story he started to tell himself was that maybe part of the problem with Lifter Puller his final artistic endeavor, had just been that the fun of making music had been kind of ruined by ambition. So he and a few friends decide to start a new band with the explicit goal of not being successful, of not taking off. Because he knows now that success, or the desire to have success, can be a kind of poison. So they make some ground rules. I mean, it was comical what we were talking about. One was that we weren't going to play any shows. You didn't want to... Why? <laughs> because I surmised, perhaps correctly, that when you move the gear, that's when the trouble starts. Wait, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, you like, like once you get like, I mean, I think it was like, okay, so you know, like in Lifter Puller, you go out and you like, you want to be in a rock band, but you know, you start out your rock band 
and you end up learning a lot about your van because it breaks down a lot, you know? And, like, suddenly, like, all your time is, like, auto repairs, you know? And I'm like, well, this wasn't exactly what I imagined it. Once you get, like, move the gear and get it in a van and go play a show, then that's when the fighting starts. Between the band. Yeah. So I was like, well, if we just, like, drank beer on Tuesday nights and played, wouldn't that be, like, the most fun part of it? And then, you know, no pressure. But, of course, that wasn't going to work. So the second someone asked us to play a show, we're like, uh, okay, yeah, <laughs> you know. This show, not a show exactly. This invitation for the least ambitious band in Brooklyn went thusly. Some guy had a comedy troupe. It's called Mr. Ass. Mr. Ass? Yeah, and they were doing this thing at Arlene Grocery, and they are like, do you want to do, like, bumper music? Like, get a band together, do, like, bumper music. It'll be like, you know, when we're changing sets, you'll play, like, Back in Black. No singing, so I was like... Yeah, that sounds fun. That's something to do. So we go and do that. And are they doing, like, improv sketches? Yeah, yeah. So they're doing improv, a a scene ends, and then you guys will play, like, (laughs) 30 seconds. Yeah, and then then they, like, you know. So we did that twice. And the second time, they're like, hey, do you guys have any songs? You could just warm up the crowd, play a song. And I, I showed the guys Knuckles which ends up being the first Hold Steady song we ever had. I've been trying to get people to call me Freddy Knuckles. People keep calling me Rod Said Fred. And it's hard to keep trying when half your friends are dying. It's hard to hold it steady when half your friends are dead already. And um, so we played that. And that was, I guess, the first Hold Steady show. Uh, But then... After two of those, we were like, yeah, you know what was mo- the most fun part about that is when we played our own song. Remember, they weren't going to be ambitious. They weren't going to turn this into a real thing. The trouble starts when you move the gear. But they were having fun. So they figured maybe they should just take the songs they were playing and record them. They made a demo. They kind of liked it. They made another. They realized, oh, you could sort of put these together. It'd almost be like an album. And we just combined them and called it a record, but it was really started with demos. And it, did it feel as easy? Like, you're describing it as, like, not accidental, but just breezy. I think I knew that there was a power in keeping it light or something, you know, or keeping it, you know, I, 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 if you take whatever the opposite of desperation is, yeah, uh, I think people really react to that. And so we were kind of like, whatever, you know, we'll... I mean, that was always my thing about how the whole study was going to operate, at least at the beginning. It was like, every time we have 10 songs, we'll call it an album, you know? Like, in that way, you're not, like, recording 25 songs and being like, which are the best? And how do we perfectly sequence them? And how do we make our masterpiece? Like, no, you know, we got 10 songs. Want to hear them? It's so, it's so, there's, like, a part of my brain that refuses to accept (laughs) the story because I think that I, in my mind things that succeed are the product of, like, worry and desperation and painfulness and, like, fussing. And, like, it's so... It it feels like you're praying to a different god than me. Well, we were... We were... <laughs> I mean, we were the antithesis of something, you know? Like, a lot of the music that was happening there was really syncopated and pretty tight. We were kind of this big sloppy bar rock band. Kids with broken hearts and kids with broken bones. 
And I think people were kind of like weirdly refreshed by it. And it, it took pressure off in a way that like, um, I don't know, maybe at that point in my life, I just didn't need pressure on the art. When I was in my 20s, I was unhappy in a challenging job. And so I fell in love with this band called The Hold Study because they seemed like they were having fun at work and I needed that to be true. What I didn't know then was that it was true, but it hadn't happened by accident. The singer, it turned out, had already learned a lesson that was about a decade away from me. The lesson was this. The desire to succeed can give you what you want while at the same time removing your ability to enjoy it. And there's a secret power sometimes in just not trying so hard. In the early 2000s, as the band began to play shows, Craig Finn remained disciplined. He told anybody who'd listen, the Hold Steady was a bar band. A bar band, like the ones you see in your hometown that play Journey covers and never hit the high notes. They were a bar band and nothing more. But the problem is, the universe has a sense of humor. And so the band that was built to not succeed, obviously they started to. So with the Hold Steady, I thought, we just like play these shows around town and we do this bar rock and um but eventually the bar started filling up you know <laughs> like, yeah and the thing is is when you're in new york the press is inherently national you know like in minneapolis you were hoping for like the you know i mentioned the local weekly yeah but then all of a sudden it's in rolling stone and then you know booking agents want to talk labels want to talk and then um I remember we decided to make our second record, and the Village Voice did an article on it. And then we got word that they're putting us on the cover. And it was the first time a band had been on the cover in a long time, a decade or something. And, um, like, that was really experienced as a turning point. Um, felt like that's kind of when we, all of a sudden, things kicked into overdrive, and we became the Hold Steady as, like, a real band. After the break, the Hold Steady becomes a real band and a real job. 20 years of a real job. How do you stay happy when you get the thing you want? When you find yourself in a situation that you're really not allowed to complain about? That punk with a mustache who brought us our breakfast Never came back with the chip On our third day of driving with no expectations except some vague sounds of the West. On the side of the road with arms in the air, amazed by the size of the sky. Surge Engine is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether you're just starting out or managing a growing brand, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything from products to content to time. All in one place, all on your terms. Despite reporting a lot of stories about the internet, I find websites hard to make. Squarespace offers blueprint AI and SEO tools. You can start a completely personalized website with the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint. They also have flexible payments. You can make checkout seamless for your customers with simple but powerful payment tools. 
Squarespace also offers the Fluid Engine, the next generation website editor from Squarespace. It's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to www.squarespace.com engine to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com engine. Search Engine is brought to you by Seed Probiotics. Small actions can have big benefits, like how taking care of your gut can support whole body health. Seed's DS1 Daily Symbiotic benefits your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. My relationship with my body is a bit of a nightmare. Probiotics can help with things that are important to me, like digestion and skin health. Your body is an ecosystem, and great health starts in the gut. Your gut is a central hub for various pathways through the body. And a healthy gut microbiome means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and more. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when used consistently, like other routine health habits. Seed subscription service easily builds DS1 into your routine, with no refrigeration needed. Trust your gut with Seed's DS1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash search and use code 25SEARCH to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DS1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash search. Code 25SEARCH. I've thought about Craig Finn and his happiness since I was 23 years old. And when I finally decided to interview him, almost 15 years later, it was this March. It was the same time I was trying to figure out this show, the show you're listening to now. It's a funny feeling to be starting again. I made a podcast before. It was successful. The success didn't feel the way I imagined it would. Getting what I thought I wanted didn't give me the feeling I told myself it would. It was like instead of crossing a finish line, the race just kept going. One problem was just that I had a very disorganized kind of ambition. Like, if we did a great story and people liked it, somehow, immediately, that great story became competition that I felt like we had to outdo, and quickly. And it was a little embarrassing, absurd even, to have found a dream job for myself and then to notice that I was just experiencing it as pressure, not really enjoying it very much. So I just didn't think about it. I figured probably more success or external validation would solve these problems. Didn't work out that way. So starting this show, I was thinking a lot about that experience and very desperate not to recreate it. When I emailed Craig Finn, I initially thought that what I was doing was kind of weird, asking him a question that belonged to a younger version of me. Does anyone like their job? Obviously, I now know that some people like their jobs. I have liked my job. But the more we talked, I realized, oh, no, my real question was actually a different, more pressing one. I wanted to know how ambitious people find a way to be happy. Like, how do you succeed without making your own misery part of the machinery of that success? Craig Finn is now 20 years into his job as frontman of The Hold Steady. He says the job is fun, but that it's the kind of fun where the good parts of the job are obvious to everyone, and the harder parts of the job, those happen a bit offstage. There is a business aspect to the band as well as a um, musical performance. And, you know, that part can be hard. Um, and what does it look like when it's hard? Well, I mean, just standard money stuff, you know? I mean, like, here's an example. You book a show. It's in another state. And you make a budget. And when you go to book the flights, they're 30% more than 
what you budgeted for. Yeah. And you're like, oh, we aren't going to make very much money on this show, you know? And that's that's like a very sober 1 p.m. conversation, you know? <laughs> but it's pretty easy for me anyways to have that conversation and be a little disappointed at 1 p.m. And then at 9 p.m. when it's time to get on stage to turn up the amp and be like, well, this is great. Yeah. This part's great. Kind of Still kind of bummed in the back of my mind about the 30% over budget on the flights. But, like, I can forget about that easily for the next two hours. Um, sometimes, again, it's not ticket sales. It's the expenses, you know? Or, um, you know, there's a lot of business stuff that that is kind of boring, but it is part of being in the band, you know? And especially for me as someone who gets involved in that. And do you do you have times in your life where you think about, like, the alternate version of your life where you had stayed in a more, like, job job? Yeah, I do because, you know, I turned 50. I'm 51 now, but, um, you know, like, when I get together with friends from college, I mean, like, the, the, the whole study has allowed me to do amazing things, but I'm certainly not anywhere near wealthy. And it, it's probably another path would have led me to more wealth or more stability or something. Um, and so, yeah, when you're when you're getting together with the guys at 51 and your friends talking about sending this kid off to college and then they're going to go down to their beach house and you're like, well, wow, that's, that's, there's a part of me that says that sounds nice. I understand I didn't pursue that, yeah. you know, but there is a part that's like, wow, that does sound nice. Are those like, and those are people who follow like more of like the Amex path. Yeah, uh, yeah, some sort of traditional path. Yeah. It's funny, there's probably so many more people on the other side of it, people who pursued more, like, safety and convenience who are sort of, like, have, like, the faint ghost of, like, what if? <laughs> well, there, there's this funny thing that um, I was thinking of on the way over here because, I, you know, I knew what we were going to talk about a little bit. And every once in a while, I'd say, like, ten times in my career, I've been cornered by this guy, not a different guy each time, but a type of guy yeah. who really has like these pointed questions about like what you have. And and you get the feeling that he's trying to figure out, like trying to make himself feel better. You know? Like what type what do you mean? Well like, you know, so so like how much money how much money you guys make? You know? Like <laughs> and it's like, wow, I'm not telling you I'm I just met you, you know? And yeah. Yeah. So when'd you quit your job? Like they really want to know like how this all works. And you get the feeling that's like maybe they're trying to justify their own last 30 years or something, oh, you so know? interesting. Like, and, if they knew how much you made and they knew they made more, then... If they knew exactly how poor you were, they could feel better about themselves. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a brutal conversation. I know, and it's really, it's like, dude, I, I'm I'm getting away from you. But, like, there's, there's a type of guy, and let's be honest, it's always a guy, yeah. um, that, that will really press for that. This guy who has finagled his way backstage in order to harass a musician about how much money he has, very badly behaved. We can all agree. But, also, how different is he from me, really? The question he's asking about money is obnoxious, it's kind of rude. But underneath that question are other questions that I can't help but recognize. Am I doing any of this right? Are you happy? Why aren't I happy? I was told if I did everything right, I'd be happy. What happened? We only get to be here once, which is such a short time to learn anything at all. We're given these very confusing lives. It's normal to look at other people for clues, to wonder if maybe they've figured something out. 
So you believe <laughs> you believe that it is possible to like your job? I absolutely do. I think that the hang-ups really come – I don't want to say from ambition because I think ambition is healthy, but from this kind of envy or coveting. And I think that it's very easy to like – no matter who you are and what you do, it's very easy for the goalposts to move, to be like, okay, well – like, oh, that band's selling out this room, and we only sold out this room. It's like, you sold out. Like, there's like a thousand people here, yeah. and they're, real, they're all singing the words. Um, so it's, I think it's important to kind of train yourself not to, like, look it for that, you know, like other shiny object. I mean, it's like um, things come and go. But, I mean, it, it is also a very natural human instinct to be like, I want more. So I, I do think you have to kind of remind yourself um, – to be grateful and be present in that moment. Every morning we burn the bread Walk it down to the water's edge See the seagulls eat cigarettes Check your breath in a spoon All your stuff in the storage shed Twisted sheets on the trundle bed And the antipsychosis meds Made you feel all marooned Last summer at the shore when I was Craig Finn, lead singer of The Hold Steady. He says he's happy. I think I believe him. That's it for us this week. You can pick up a copy of the band's new oral history book celebrating their 20th anniversary, written in collaboration with music writer Michael Hahn. It's called The Gospel of the Hold Steady, How a Resurrection Really Feels. I also have for you, I've been really waiting my whole life to say this, a long playlist of my favorite Craig Finn songs, including this one now that you're listening to. You can find them on my newsletter at pjvote.com. Stick around after these ads. Craig Finn has a question he would like Search Engine to answer. And we snuck into the ballroom And made echoes in its empty And I grabbed you and I spun you And we both just started laughing Yeah, one more thing. Yeah. Is there anything that you have a question about, any topic at all, that you'd like me to look into? Yeah. Oh, all right. So my question on this is, is um, this seems like somewhat, uh, it's very anecdotal. But when I was growing up, um, it was considered kind of common knowledge that the first time you smoked weed, it didn't work. I remember this. And I always wondered if there's anything to that or if it's just the first time you smoked weed, you most likely got a hold of bad weed. Right, right. Because I remember first time I smoked weed, I was like 12 or 13, this guy Ned, and uh, we smoked out of a film canister. And he told me, he's like, you're not going to get high the first time. And I didn't get high. And then it was the second time. And it, the other thought I had was, like, maybe I'm just 
doing this wrong. Like I didn't smoke cigarettes, so like, right. Well, that was always the thing, but I, I, it also felt like the way they were explaining it that you were kind of like you were putting in the experience. You were making a deposit at the bank, and yeah, it was only the second time or the third time that it was going to pay off. Did you the first time you smoked weed? Did you get high? No. Interesting. But I don't think it was the first few times. Yeah. And, and you know, every once in a while you'd be like, some guy would be like, I got hired for the first time and you kind of wouldn't believe him. Yes. You know? <laughs> like, so I'm wondering, now that we have all this legalization, I'm wondering if there's an, a, any science to this or any answer. That's a really good question. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Well, I hope we get an answer. We'll see what we can do. Search Engine is a presentation of Odyssey and Jigsaw Productions. It was created by me, PJ Vote, and Shruti Pinamanani, and is produced by Garrett Graham and Noah John. Theme and original composition by Armin Bazarian. Fact-checking by Elizabeth Moss. Show art by Ali Moss, no relation. Our executive producers are Jenna Weiss-Berman and Leah Reese-Dennis. Thank you to the team at Jigsaw, Alex Gibney, Rich Perello, and John Schmidt, and to the team at Odyssey, J.D. Crowley, Rob Morandi, Craig Cox, Eric Donnelly, Matt Casey, Casey Clauser, Maura Curran, Josephina Francis, Kurt Courtney, and Hilary Schaff. Our agent is Oren Rosenbaum at UTA. Our social media is by the team at Public Opinion NYC. You can follow and listen to Search Engine with PJ Vote now for free on the Odyssey app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. We are off next week. We are back September 15th. You can always find our schedule at the newsletter, pjvote.com. Hold up. 